Hello, podcast world. What's going on? Um, we're back again with another episode. Um, today was pretty cool. Someone we definitely caught a vibe with, Josephine Cruz, also known as JM Cam, who is a DJ out of Toronto, Canada, who is also just a creative fucking mind, someone that is just uh, completely immersed herself in the world of digital and the world of music, music, someone who's written for complex hype beast, uh, and also various local spots. She started her own digital radio. She started her own record label. Uh, she's been doing it independently for quite some time. Um, she just embodies what self hired is essentially. She's a, uh, a boss female that's just really going out and killing it and breaking down doors and just not what I gather from the conversation is that she just doesn't really care. She's just going out and doing it and not necessarily necessarily caring what you think or what she should do or what her family thinks or what this person thinks. It's just kind of about achieving what it, whatever it is that she sets out in her mind that she wants to achieve uh, in whatever facet that may be. And then finding the money after that or finding this after that or finding the, the path after that. Um, but just kind of blindly going with her passions and uh, doubling down on what she's good at. So great conversation. We definitely got sidetracked multiple times, uh, as per always, but we got deep on uh, a ton of stuff. We went into meditation and holistic wellness. We talked about, for the first time on this podcast, we talked about marriage and divorce. We talked about um, you know long-term career planning and, and, and short-term career pivots and things of that nature. And we also went super deep on the inner workings of major publications, how they work and, and uh, how they make their cash and other things like that. So if you're a digital guy, uh, if you're a DJ for sure, tune in. If you're someone that's into any local culture in Canada, check this out. Which one? Because I'm just going to be staring at them the whole time. The finger ones? Yeah, please. Okay, so um, this one, I got this one first. Actually, no, I got these two at the same time. Okay. So I used to be married, so I used to wear like a, a, a wedding ring on this finger, and um, oh fuck! So I kind of got that, not as That's like that gangster. <laughs> but it's she's got an X if you can't see. Got an X. She's got an X on that. But so my ex and I are like really close still. Um, so it wasn't like I didn't get it as like a fuck like you. I hate you thing. It was more of like an acknowledgement of like that was a thing and it's no longer a thing, but it still like holds a place in my life and its significance. And I want to like kind of pay tribute to that. What? And then I got this one at the same time. Um, this is like a, a symbol that supposedly means transcend. Is that what Google said? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, it looks kind of cool. Like, let's go with it. And then, um, yeah, I got these ones later. Um, this guy named Kurt Montgomery, he's like a pretty well-known tattoo artist in Toronto. He did those. So he has one that looks like this. So he was like, Hey, it would be cool if you matched me. And I was like, sure, why not? And then I got this at the same day as that one. So they're just like two straight lines. What? That really have no significance. <laughs> what? This, so he was like, I want to do this cool, like straight line tattoo on your arm. And I was like, I didn't know that doing straight line is actually really hard. That's a tattoo artist. Yeah. And so he was like, that's why it's kind of cool because it's like deceivingly simple but like if you know then you know that it's actually really difficult and i was like okay that's kind of cool i like the the meaning behind that um so he did that one and then he was like 
let's put another mini one on the other That's finger. Hilarious. So I was like, sure. I'm very like with tattoos. I'm like very spontaneous. I never plan them. I just get Fuck them it. like on the fly. Damn, um, son. So all of these are like on the fly. But I want more. Obviously. Like I want to like get my whole hands done. But you're one of those. I feel like it would be painful though. So crazy motherfuckers. Why what not? Say? Why oh, not? yeah. Well, let's keep that in there for sure. That's Sweet. hilarious. Um, Josephine, welcome, yes. welcome back to Vancouver. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be back. How um, how do you find it out here? What keeps what keeps bringing you back to the West Coast? What keeps bringing me back? Well, Vancouver is like it's kind of like my second, third home because of the people that are here. Aww. Yeah. So well, my thanks. we just met. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are part of that now too. Um, my best friend Karina lives here, so I've been friends with her for like fifteen years. Shout out Karina! We, yeah, she's amazing. The best. We met in Calgary. Um, we met working at Aritzia, actually. Cute. Yes, rite of passage for like all girls like in Western Canada. Um, but we met. And... Brie, can you fact check that real quick? I'm just kidding. I'm not bad. Sorry. <laughs> We met and we were friends. Um, we only lived in the same city for like two years because she was there for school and then she moved back to Vancouver. So oh. I started coming to Vancouver in like 2006-ish, like wow. to visit her. Cool. And um, yeah, and then I just met a whole bunch of other like music industry people out here. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like in the, the early social media days, like right. in the MySpace oh, days. Eight, oh, six. This is like, yeah, oh, six, oh, seven. Yeah. Um, and it was really kind of like the first time that you could sort of see what music scenes were like in other Without cities. being there? Yeah. yeah. So prior to that, I think that things were like more siloed. But then when, when MySpace came around, I was like learning about all these DJs here, like Flip Out and like the freshest DJs yeah, and all these guys. The yeah. Oh, sweet. Literally just uh, two weeks ago. Crazy. Or like yeah. yeah. He's got like an amazing career, but. He's got an aura about. Like, yeah. That man is trippy. That man yeah. is trippy. I, like, he, he walked in here and I was like, fuck, this man is a legend. And he just like came on and he was like, yo, like, what's good? And it was just like super chill. And I was like, you're the fucking man. Like, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cool. Uh, there's a lot. There's a, there's music roots here. Yeah. And so I, I started learning about all of that and getting connected to all these people. And then, I don't know, I just like always had like an affinity for Vancouver and always wanted to come here. And Recently, like in the last, I would say like four years that my like music and DJ career has been picking up a bit, um, I have more reason to come here. So hell yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Super amazing. Okay. So Josephine Cruz. Yes. That is a Spanish name in my head for some reason. Yeah. Cruz, right? It is a Spanish but name. You're not Spanish at all. I'm not. You, you are born in the UK. <laughs> Uh, lived in Hong Kong and now you're in Toronto. Yeah. How did Cruz come about? How did Cruz come about? Okay, so we're talking a lot about my ex, but like I was married before. And oh, so, shit. Yeah, but that's where Cruz comes from. So I, my actual, my maiden yeah, name is obviously. Mok, my last name. Okay. So, which is like a Chinese name. Yeah. So yeah, my family is from like Hong Kong and like the Guangzhou region of China, which is like Southern China. Um, so my birth name is Josephine Mock and then I got married in 2010 to Rick Cruz, became Josephine Cruz and, um, just kept it, kept it. Yeah. And we're not married anymore, but all of my, it originally started as more of like a practical like thing because all of my like work, like I've been like published as a writer under that name. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, I'll just continue use, to use this name professionally. 
Um, but I feel like I'm like attached to the name as well because during the time I've been Josephine Cruz has been when I feel like I've like really come into like my own and mm. become the person I feel like I'm supposed to be. That's the identity you're, you've attached yourself to. Yeah. And know. so it would feel very unnatural to now go back and be like, I'm actually Josephine Mock again because I just don't have like an attachment to that name. Interesting. So yeah. just like, at least from my perspective, like, uh, some, like I would never, if I was a woman, I would, I like, I hate the whole thing of like women taking the man's last mm, name. Like, I think that's kind of bullshit. Um, and just like weird traditions that have just carried on for forever. Yeah. Um, essentially, do you not like, just feel like, I know you don't have an attachment to that name, but like have because of your heritage at all, or are you just like, eh? I mean, like, yeah, I don't, I never really thought of it that way. Also, like my, the mock name comes from like my dad's side of the family okay. and I'm not super close so you're with like, my fuck dad. It. Didn't like him anyways. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to put it that way. No, like, yeah, I just like, I don't feel like, like I said, I just feel like I have more of a connection to Cruz. But I, I hear what you're saying. Like, honestly, when I got married in 2010, I feel like so much has changed even in society. Like since then, I don't know if now, if I got let's say I got married again. I don't know if I would like change your name. the name. Yeah. So if, um, I was the next gentleman that ends up marrying you mm-hmm. and you had the last name of your ex husband, I would be like, mm, it's gotta go. <laughs> I don't know about that. one. like take your own damn name. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty, like having an ex husband is a pretty, like, it's definitely a certain thing to like kind That's of manage. Crazy. Yeah. And my ex and I, like I said, we're really good friends too. So, um, we weren't always good friends. We've definitely like worked to get our friendship back. But, um, you know, even like my current partner, he's like very understanding about like my friendship that I have with my ex, which I don't know if like a lot of people would necessarily be cool with that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I can relate. I have really good relationships with my exes. No ex-wives though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really good part of the journey. I don't know. I uh, My mom... Uh, and dad are not together, but my mom always kind of uh, instilled me with this like feeling of like, like if you if you're gonna love someone, always love them mm. in a way. Like don't do them the disjustice of of uh, taking that away. Like you can still care for someone if you, even if you don't love them. Like you can learn yeah. a person and and really get into them and and understand who they are. And if you love that person once, maybe the relationship didn't work out or you're not fit for each other, whatever. Like you don't have like that does that doesn't necessarily go away in a sense. And yeah. it's not like I want to be with you or and like that, but it's just a certain level of like respect. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that, and I think that that's. The, really the case with my, you know, marriage, like, we got married when we were really young. How um, do you know? I'm sorry. So I'm turning 34 this year. Oh, my gosh. I'm 33. So I got married at 23. You look 23. Thanks. Of course. Asian, <laughs> no raisin. You know how it is. Um, yeah, so we got married young, and, like, you know, we'd been together already for, like, like five years before we got married, and when you're, like, 23, 24, like, you think you know everything, and, like, of course. you know, you feel like you've changed so much since you're 18 so of course you're like the person you're gonna be um and so I think that like it's not like something happened in our marriage like it didn't like fall apart dramatically there was no like cheating it was just like we honestly just like were becoming different people who wanted different things um and when we split at when I was like whatever 28 or 29 I was like again a much different person than I was at 23 24 
You grew in um, different directions. Yeah. And so I think that's almost harder in a way. Like I remember when we were going through our breakup, it was it was difficult because I almost wished that something like catastrophic had happened oh my so gosh. that it would be easier to kind of like, it would just be easier to be like, okay, well, this was... This happened, so yeah. this is why we're breaking up. Yeah, but it's a lot harder to be like, oh, I still like love this person and we still have like this like, you know, history and now we're just kind of like moving apart. It's a lot harder to like reconcile, but I like look back though. And like, I I truly think that like everything happened exactly as it is. And like, you know, my, maybe I misjudged like the role that he was supposed to play in my life. Like he wasn't supposed to be my like forever romantic partner, but he is like truly my, like a forever friend Mm -hmm. and someone who like, you know, that list of people that you have of people you could like call if you were ever like in a bind, like he's definitely like on that list. So I think that, yeah, it's still Super a forever amazing. thing, just a different forever thing. Different forever thing. Yeah. You can, you can still forever play a role in my life, but it just doesn't have to be that role. Yeah, totally. Really cool and thing. it's taken us now like, you know, five years to get to that point. It's been five years since we broke up. Mm-hmm. But now I just feel like yeah, we're in like a really good place with our friendship and we've like made our peace with like what happened between us. Mm-hmm. And I would not like, I can say without a doubt that I wouldn't be like who I am or doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for him. Cause he's the one who first exposed me to like DJing at a different level. Oh, I see. So yeah. Crazy. Damn. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Welcome to the um, relationship talk with yes. Josephine and Joss. Um, <laughs> I know that like went there like right away. Super left. But yeah. Let's get let's I mean. get past it. I like it. No, that's hilarious. Yeah, um, it's a huge. It's definitely a huge part of like my story, though. So and a huge yeah. part of who you are. Like, there's no there's no shame in that at all. It's these people are they. I don't want to say building blocks because that maybe implies something wrong, but just they're just pieces to the puzzle of our mm-hmm. life and shouldn't be necessarily degraded or scratched out but the last name thing is super crazy yeah (laughs) i I do also like though being a little bit like racially ambiguous fuck yeah yeah so it's kind of like cool in that way. dude i wish i was racially ambiguous (laughs) i'm straight white straight white and uh and i just wish i had a little bit of mexican um you know maybe a little bit of uh egyptian uh, a little bit of chinese a little bit of anything man yeah well i I mean in another like hundred years everyone's gonna be like a mix of something right we're all just gonna be gray and it's gonna be great. Great, <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, something like that. That's 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 actually hilarious. So you're thirty thirty four and had a past life. Mm-hmm. You know, was also thirty four and had a past life. Tell me, Floetic. Where is he? Where is Floetic? <laughs> it's all good. Flo- so Floetic's he's a, he's a staple around here. He's been on the podcast twice, mm-hmm. um, but he's a, another guy that has. I don't know if he was married before. Maybe I don't know, but he 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 used to uh, be a mainstay in the corporate in the corporate world uh, in marketing. Mm. Sound familiar? And, and he like lived in Calgary for a bit. Yes, which is like so super weird. Super like, crazy. And the now, same time I lived there, I'm like, oh, why time? did I not know you? Damn. And then you guys just both took this turn. Yeah. And now are fairly damn successful DJs from a corporate branding marketing side. Yeah. Uh, like really nine weird. to five office life yeah cubicle life damn son yeah <laughs> damn yeah, it's son. crazy it's honestly crazy to like look back and think that like i i try to think back to who i was you know five years ago and i'm like it feels like another person another life it, yeah right? it feels like oh looking God. at not even myself um it's really weird but i do think that like it's all made sense, you know, like everything that I've done in the past did like somehow ladder up to like bringing me here. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get what you're saying there. Like it's, it's 
a building block. These experiences are building blocks for sure. But it's like, if you take the person you are now, the person you were when you took that job, which mm. you probably were ecstatic about the job, the job at the time. Yeah. I don't know. 100%. But, um, that was still your mind. Yeah. Like, that was still you. For sure. Like, physically, that was you. But it's just like, it's crazy to see our perspectives, our personalities, our methodologies in life just literally do a 180 and be like, oh, how did you do that? And it, it ties back into a bigger conversation of like the uh, everyone with the Me Too thing mm. right now. It's like these guys are getting, uh, I don't really want to take the podcast here, but I'll take it anyways. But it's just like you have guys that are, um, things are being brought up from the 80s, from the mm-hmm. 90s. And I, I was just thinking about that. Like that's literally a different person. Yeah. Like you're like, who were you in 2005 and who were you in 2019? Yeah, Those are I literally mean, different people. It's different person and it's different like context, different like, you know, like society, different like expectations, different like levels of like acceptance about what was like, quote unquote, normal. Like, right. it is like totally different. And like, I'm someone who I think I was like very much a product of like my environment back then, you know, like mm-hmm. I grew up in Calgary. Um, it was like it's a very conservative place mm-hmm. and it's I, an oil town. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's like a corporate culture, you know, like it's like everyone kind of follows the same path. Right. Um, and I was definitely like following that path. <laughs> I was like going through the motions, you know, I was mm-hmm. like doing all the things that I felt was like expected of me or that you do to like have a successful life. Yeah. Um, but I always knew like, deep down inside i was like this is like not for me this is bullshit yeah Josephine, total. this is bullshit <laughs> yes that's totally what the inner voice was fuck saying it, go be a dj mm. fuck this whole corporate shit yeah no um yeah <laughs> like i mean the dj part no i didn't know that was the thing but like i definitely like always felt like you know and everybody has these feelings but like is there something else out there for me is there something more out there for me could i be doing like something more or different but then you also want to like balance that with you know being happy with what you have and being Being grateful grateful, for what you have and like i think that the whole like gratitude narrative like that's become really popular with things like social media it's of course we should be grateful but you need to like also be aware that it's okay to like want more from yourself and from your life. Totally. That's a huge counterculture that's come up recently. Like, yeah. Especially with the whole, I mean, with it, we have a large capitalistic, you know, um, nature of just having, being the best, the, the cream of the crop, constantly competition, 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 uh, outwork, outwork, outwork. And then recently there's actually just a little bit of, of pushback being like, oh, maybe these, it's wrong that these millennials are working 80 hours a week or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And, and, and that's like a valid point too. Um, I tend to go the other way, but I do see where that, and it's very important to be grateful and, and experience the moment. Because if you don't, if you're not aware, if you're not here, if you're not mentally here, like you're, there's no point in living. So yeah. what's the point? Um, but just to double back there, you, what, what made you, cause everyone has this kind of like pivotal moment mm-hmm. um, of taking, let's say a nine to five. I don't really like using that, those linguistics, but taking an extremely stable and somewhat marginalizing position mm-hmm. um, in order to feel safe and secure. Um, I've gone through it. Tons of other people have gone through it. And there's just a moment where like you're young and the world feels really scary. Mm. Like 
look at all these people they're doing all this stuff i like my parents think this my friends think this and i have done x y and z to get to this spot i should be doing this now this is the natural progression and it's kind of like your soul is suppressed in a weird way but what was take me back to when you actually maybe had that job offer or maybe were about to make that crucial decision or whatever it may be and what was your mind frame then and then what would you tell yourself at that point now looking back on it 10 15 years later Mm. I think like I just what would I tell myself you mean what would I tell myself when I was like getting ready to leave that old life or nah, when I was like when you were starting, starting actually okay. not even what you tell yourself we'll, we'll get to that yeah but more what were you thinking at that moment from your recollection yeah so around that time I was just I was always really kind of confused about like what I wanted out of life um Really? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> I was always confused about that. And I think like I was, but I'm someone who like works things out by like trying, like trial and error. Right. I'll always like try a new thing. Um, I was always like jumping around from like job to job to try to like figure, figure that out. And so I think that's good. You know, I was never like, the person who would just sit there in my cubicle and like wonder if there was something else out there for me and then not like try anything. Yeah. Um, but I think I would just tell myself to like, just be more fearless and not to like overthink things. Cause like I always kind of had this like entrepreneurial kind of like nature, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought "Hmm, maybe I could like, I was always a motivated person and I knew that was like a big part of like being your own boss per se. But Which was not popular at the time. No, yeah. not at all. Um, but I definitely would always like overthink things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like a problem solver by nature. Like I like to like analyze situations and be like, you know, these are like, this is what could go wrong. This is what could go good. This is where we're at. This is how we get out of it. Yeah. 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 And I think those are strong qualities to have, but you can also talk yourself out of things pretty quick by listing all the, yeah, listing all the things that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So when my life started to like shift in a different direction is when I really started changing that way of thinking to like more what I could gain and like what could go right. You know what Mm. I mean? Um, but then what made you suppress that voice in your head then? So you you, you thought about it. Mm-hmm. You thought, okay, I do have, or thought about it. What is even it? Thought about an alternative route, yeah. let's say, or, or things you could do. There was something that probably just double backed in your head. You overanalyzed and that got you out of it. But like, you're such a, the person that we see today mm-hmm. is such, like, a, I just can't, you can't envision that. Yeah. Like, you like can't, a second that guessing does, person. just doesn't really, like, doesn't compute, right? Yeah. There's had to be, what was the narrative in your head at that time? Like, you go for the interview, you come back, you just call back, second interview, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and you end up going, uh, and, and you're, the contract's on the table. Mm. Like, what's going through your head there when you know that you have an alternative or a potential that's a little bit is that isn't marginalized in that way. Yeah. I think the big one was like my like f- this feeling of responsibility to like other people. There you go. And Shit. um again like that is another thing that being in something a serious commitment like a marriage is like really inhibiting your decisions and things like that cuz you know if I 
wasn't in a committed relationship, I probably would have navigated things like very, very differently. Um, So you were in a committed relationship at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like with this person since I was like basically 20 years old. Right. Like so baby. yeah. Yeah. And so you're always kind of thinking of that person, even though it's not even like a control thing. It's like my ex was like very like, you know, very supportive and always like encouraging me to do more things. But when you're in like a, a marriage or a relationship of any kind, like no matter what, you're always thinking of like, how does this impact that person? You know what I right. mean? Right. How do my decisions affect yeah. him or her? Even the littlest things, like even just like what time you go home or like if that person knows you get off at 5 p.m. and then. What are you doing after? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like every little thing. And I think that that's one of the like big kind of turning points for me in my life was I went on a trip to Bali for like three weeks. I was in Asia for like three weeks. When was was this? This is in 2013. Again, before it was popular. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was a little popular, but it it definitely, it it definitely wasn't. I feel like going to Asia has become like more popular in the last. Yeah. People go there just for the photo. For the gram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I went there and in 2013, I went for a wedding. I was in Bali for a week and I was in Hong Kong for two weeks Mm. and I went by myself. Oh, and I think that was one of the first times in my adult life that I was like actually just making decisions for myself, even though it was for that very like temporary time. Mm -hmm. And that really like changed something in me. Like I was really seeing like, oh my God, today I like woke up and I just like literally did whatever I wanted and didn't think about, you know, if that person wanted to go for food yet or if like you know, what responsibilities I had. It was Mm. like a really just like three weeks of like just feeling like very free. And um, yeah, it was a pretty like transformative like time. It's funny because before I went to Bali, everyone was like, oh my God, it's so like life-changing. And I was like, is it? But (laughs) but I did have like a life-changing experience there because yeah, like I said, my first time as an adult, just really feeling like I was just moving about life and my going about my day putting mm-hmm. myself first god damn when's the book coming josephine <laughs> holy shit <laughs> i know you write like crazy i Come do on but now. no i would never write a book about myself though no nah. that's like to me super so, narcissistic yeah well not even narciss- i don't know i just i don't feel like i could do that or would want to Maybe in another like twenty five years, we'll see like right. what I've see done. See what happens in yeah. the next two decades. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, still, I mean, uh, you obviously have the skills and the story to back it. There's Thanks. probably um, probably a little bit of like cultural or family pressure with that too, just in terms of I'm just kind of listening to the to how you're speaking mm. in terms of constantly thinking about others yeah and not necessarily yourself worrying about the situation or the context of the people around you not necessarily thinking hey what's best for me and then just balancing that off the kind of career choices you made um was that a big thing for you growing up are you fully chinese or what's your heritage like completely or what was your family upbringing or? yeah so my i'm half chinese mm-hmm. um my other half is like miscellaneous Mexican. european <laughs> It's not Spanish, Shit. contrary to my last name. Uh, my mom's from England, so I was born. That's why I was born in England. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I had like an interesting upbringing. I mean, I I grew up half my childhood like in Hong Kong, um, and then 
I moved to Calgary at like still a pretty young age and spent most of my life there. But I have a big family. So I have like two brothers and two sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of them are younger. I only have one older brother. But the family dynamic is very much like I'm the oldest. Right. Even though I'm not the oldest by age. Um, What's the what's the difference? So like in in uh, in uh, years. My older brother is three years older than me. Okay. And then there's me. And then my younger brother is five years younger than me. And then I have a sister eight years younger. And then another sister 10 years younger. Yeah. So like my younger siblings are very much like they're quite a bit younger than me. All full? Um, My older brother is our half sibling. So we have the same mom, but different dads. And the rest of them are full. And so my life. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I have all half brothers oh, and really? sisters, so don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. The the half yeah. thing is is funny. Like my, my brother's been with us, my older brother, like his whole life. So right. he definitely feels you like feel, a full yeah, sibling. You would never it just doesn't feel right to be like that's my half brother. Yeah, yeah. But it is strange because like, you know, he has other like half siblings that he's never met on the other side. Ooh. And so it's just like yeah, it's a weird thing. But Family reunions are kinda like, oh Yeah. That's that's Wendy. You never met Wendy? <laughs> Wendy's my fucking sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so like my my growing up it was very much like a caregiver role like right. especially with the younger siblings because they're so much younger um yeah so i think i do have like a little bit of that in my nature like you know always like having to consider others i think when you grow up in a big family like you have to share everything good point it's never about like what you want it's about like what everyone else wants so i definitely think that that had an impact on me like even as I was older and I mean still does like obviously I'm not like I think I am someone who you know I'm very like considerate of others and I'm always like maybe to a fault at sometimes too like I'm always like oh my god is that what does that person want or is that person okay Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think I just really had to start like being a little bit more like selfish if I was really going to live the life that I wanted. Is that why we were just talking earlier? Mm. Does that have any, anything to do with you overbooking yourself? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. definitely. No. I think I've gotten better at that in the last, I would say, year and a half. Weren't you just telling me about last summer <laughs> about when you, what was that? Sorry. Crazy like travel like situation where i was like flying from coast to coast yeah okay maybe not in the last year (laughs) maybe in the last like eight to ten months no i I would think like two years ago i was in like a very like dark place because i was just like stretched way too thin like Mm -hmm. and i didn't know how to say no as a dj as a writer as a as all literally as a human yes Yes, and so and i think that the the fear to like say no to things is like very real for a lot of people when they first start kind of like working for themselves or maybe like trying, you know, that kind of road. Um, And so for the first, like I quit my, my nine to five corporate job, it would be almost exactly four years ago now. Wow. Wait, it's 29. Yeah. (laughs) Almost four years ago to the day. Can I get a year check please? (laughs) Yeah. I wrote 2017 on something the other day and I was like, Oh Lord. Yeah. Uh, a, a nine can turn to a seven. It, yeah. It was like pretty easy to cover up. But in my head I was like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was 2015 end of February, 2015 that I quit that job. And I would say for the first like two years after that, I really just said yes to pretty much like everything, right. especially when I got to Toronto because it's a new city. I was trying to meet people. I was really trying to establish myself. Um, and so I was just, 
accepting like anything and everything. And I think it's good sometimes to do that a little bit because you certainly like get to know pretty quickly what you don't want to do. And what you don't need to do or yeah. what's a waste of your time. Yeah. Um, but I let that go on for like a while. And then in January of 2017, um, I look at that as like a real turning point for me because I was like, I, I basically just had like a bit of like a breakdown, not to be like dramatic. It wasn't like crazy breakdown we, or anything. We started talking this podcast about a divorce. Don't yeah. worry about it here. Do you? Like, it's cool. We're in the zone. You're already here. <laughs> it was like a very much like just, I mean, I was just at the end of my rope in yeah. every way. I was yeah. physically exhausted. I was emotionally drained. I was just mentally maxed out. And um, the kind of like culmination of all that was like I had a, an anxiety attack, which I, I never even knew really what that was before. But I had one at a gig. No um, and it was like a gig that I didn't really want to be doing in the first place. Um, and I had... I had had another gig, like a daytime thing all day that day and then went to this one. And um, yeah, it was like really eye opening because I was just terrified of like how I felt in that moment. And the worst part was, is like I put myself here. Like I literally did this to myself. I put myself under so much stress that like my body and my mind just like fought back in that way. What triggered it? Um, To be honest, like nothing really i think it was just sort of like just accumulation yeah, of time. yeah yeah and i think like i i do think that if i hadn't um had like the daytime gig that day because i was really tired i think that happens yeah yeah i think i was just exhausted and then i was in that environment which is clubs can be like already like a stressful environment you know there's like a lot going on, um, loud noise like lights all that stuff and i think it was really just like the end of the end of my rope um mm. so i ended up having to leave the gig obviously yeah um left the gig and i was just like so like out of my mind like i i felt like i was literally going crazy mm. and i called my boyfriend i didn't even know where i was also i couldn't he was like where are you and i was like i couldn't even tell him where i was i was just that out of it mm-hmm. and um Luckily, him and I like share location. <laughs> so he was like, I think I can see you. Like, I think I know where you are. You stay where you are. Yeah. And, um, that's hilarious. Yeah. Shout out to the iPhone. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he came to pick me up and I was just, I was just totally out of my mind. That's the only way I can describe it. I was like convinced that there was like a conspiracy against me. I was like, the world is against me. Like, everyone is like, you know, everyone is conspiring against me to make me crack. That's what it felt like. That's crazy. Yeah. And so I was saying all this to him and he, he did like exactly what he should have done in that moment. He didn't, he wasn't like, you're being crazy. Like, don't worry. It's going to be fine tomorrow. He was just like, you know, I know you feel that way now. And I'm acknowledging that you feel that way. You have every right to feel that way. And he was like, but I'm just here to tell you that like, everybody loves you that's not real like i'm here i wouldn't be here if that was the case um you know these are all the people who are here for you and listed all the people that i had and um yeah so that was like a very scary thing and i still crazy yeah i still look back at that and like even now i just have goosebumps because i'm like no i can totally see your mannerisms are changing Yeah, yeah because it's like again i just terrified myself with how i had done that to myself and that's like the craziest part you know like 
these traumatic things happen all the time that but it's rare that you're like you know I've been through a divorce I've been through all kinds of crazy shit in my life and never once have I been pushed to like that limit only that time that I did to myself so that was like really eye-opening that's crazy yeah after that I like you know I I canceled all the things that I could for the next like week uh, I deleted social media from my phone because that used to be like a big source of anxiety, anxiety and insecurity yeah. for me. Um, so I deleted that for a while, went on like a bit of a detox and just like ate healthy food, like went to the gym, like I went to float a couple times and oh, <laughs> see now that's scary. Like I don't. I don't wouldn't I don't, I wouldn't even advise that in that situation. Like really? floating can be a scary place. Maybe well, listen, it was for me. Yeah, I think at the time I've done it like uh, I don't do it often. I, I've I've done it like a handful of times, and I think in that at that particular time in my life, it was really good for me because it was just like forcing me to like be quiet and like calm and like not think okay. about the okay. outside influences. Um, okay. Yeah, and so that week I had off was really good. And ever since then, I feel like I'm just aware of that, you know, like that, that scary that pressure gauge almost. Yeah. yeah. And now I try to like, you know, say no to a lot more things. Totally. Um, I try to have now days that are like, I have days off now, <laughs> not that much lately, but I do have days where I try to do like no work, no email. Um, and the social media thing, I, feel like I've developed a lot more of like a healthy relationship with social media. Mm. Um, it's necessary like yep. for what we all do. And I just think that what I do now is I don't spend too much time like browsing around or like yeah, on, looking. That, on that explore page. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't like look at what other people are doing too much yeah. and having it as something that's more of a, like I use it to go on and like, do my posts and maybe like look around a little bit, but keep it at like an arm's length. That's been really transformative for me. So you hit, you hit a reset button. You hit, yeah. or you, you hit, you found a way to hit a reset button and you had the, the know uh, how to essentially check these things off the list. Like, okay, am I eating right? What are my relationships like? Yeah. What's my mental space at? What's my emotional space at? And how do I like wipe the slate with these things and get back to it? Yeah. It's really interesting that your mind kind of played that trick on you, right? Because think about it. Our minds are here to protect us. Mm. Uh, Like we are, like we do have a primal brain. We're not supposed to be stressed out. If we get to a certain level, we do crack. And that's for us. That's to slap us in the face and say, hey, you dumb shit. Like relax. Yeah. Right? Our minds are not built for, you know, 2019 or, you know, the 21st century at all. It's very interesting that your mind did that. When I was a kid... I used to think the same way. I used to think the same way, but it's interesting that it was two different, you know, I was very young. You were in your 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to think when I was, until I was maybe 14, that this was a game, that mm-hmm. life was a game, and that I was just being plotted against, and that there was just like master puppeteers, like just being like, okay, can we break him here? Can we break him here? Like, yeah. how do we fucking, like, how do we plot against him? And it's just this master conspiracy that I was like controlled by 
I don't know, like I, I thought it was like aliens at the time or it was like some, the government or something. Yeah. Or I like, I had no idea. And that's I just so was like, terrifying that's terrifying like, for a young person. I right? don't know how you like. But that, that was the only way my mind could justify what was happening in my surroundings. And so mm. that's the mechanism that my mind used. It's for me to kind of, you know, it served different purposes. Like for me, it was like, okay, this is a game then. Let's play the game. I'll beat it. Mm. Right? Versus okay, now my mind's putting me in this place of anxiety and, and, and just panic, manic attack yeah. just to serve a different purpose and be like, hey, Josephine, like, you're a human. You remember that? You're a human. Like, <laughs> like eat, sleep. Yeah. Like, remember these things? Like, th- this, is, this is what you need to function, right? Mm-hmm. You need people. You need to talk. You need to just sit down and have tea. Yeah. You know, like, stuff like that is very, very important. Um, how do you, because you have that now experience a little bit. Yeah. I try to take all my past um, experiences and and faults and make them kind of into principles and make them into into ways that are pitfalls that I'm aware of and now that I can avoid. Um, And I avoid them through triggers. So I'll see them like I will uh, feel an emotional state or feel a state. When you start to feel that state, like how do you deflect it? How do you get out of it? Hmm. And you feel it coming. You said you're on a rip right now. Like these things are slippery slopes. They are. And I mean, I think that the one thing about, you know, those like weaker moments is to just know that they're there. Like now that I've had that experience, I know that that's in me and it's like, Hmm. but I I can't be like afraid of that either though. You know, like I can't now be like, oh, I'm not going to do anything because I never want to have that experience. You still have to like be vulnerable and like continue on, but just, I guess, kind of like acknowledge that as a part of you, but not as like a weakness. It's like, just, yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I'm trying to be better with it. So what brought you to the float? (laughs) The float, um... I don't know how I discover float. I used to live right by a float place. So I think I would just like see it and be like, what is that? And then went in there one day and ended up like the guy who was working there. We had like mutual friends, but I didn't really like know what it was before I tried it. The first time I went, I actually couldn't like do it. Do it. Yeah. How long did you last? Uh, a while. Like I, I think I like lasted like 35, 40 minutes, Solid. but then I had to like, I got a little bit like panicky in there. Claustrophobic. Yeah. And then I had to like crack it. And the the guy had said, he was like, if you feel like you need to like crack it, like while you're in there just to like, you know, bring yourself back to reality, he's like, do it. So I did do that. Um, And then, but that time, like when all that like crazy stuff happened to me, I had like really good experiences with it. I think just because it was like a real, it just pushed me to like really let go of like, all of the outside literal noise because you're in there and it's like nothing nothing so for the uh explain floats for those don't know don't know so for those that don't know float is basically like um a sensory deprivation tank so it's kind of like a bathtub big oversized bathtub it's actually a lot bigger than i thought it was going to be when i was first learned about it i was like is it like a coffin (laughs) like i don't know um but it's like a fairly good size like tub with um like a cover and a door and you get in and you lay in this water that is, I think it's like just the same as your body temperature and it's not like full, full. It's like maybe like if you lay in it, 
you'll another thing is there's like all this salt right it's like a lot of salt makes you buoyant yeah it makes you float literally float um so you kind of lay in it and once you kind of get comfortable there's sort of this moment where you you can't tell where your body ends and like the water begins and um it's pretty cool it's really weird and then yeah so you go in there and it's like completely dark um soundproof and all that and the idea is that it's like yeah a way to sort of like meditate um deprive yourself of of everything everything all stimulation yeah and um yeah it's interesting i haven't i haven't done it lately i've been trying to get get more into to meditation though um and the person who really inspired me to actually like get serious about meditation is g-man yeah. from vancouver yeah yeah so what? i saw him about a year ago Crazy. um yeah we went for lunch and he he's awesome like we have a great friendship and he's someone i really admire and he's someone who i also have always looked at and been like how does he do everything he does i'm gonna ask him those questions when he comes on the podcast yes. <laughs> um he's amazing like he's you know an amazing businessman and then he also has like a family and he seems to just be able to do it all yeah. and we talked a lot about that when i was here a year ago and he said that he credits that all to pretty much like meditation Wow. um and he gave me a few books to read and yeah i've just like i think that when you start to kind of like add more things to your plate but you don't want to necessarily like take anything away you need to really figure out how to like recalibrate calibrate your mind to work better for On that you level. yeah yeah no it's and really so crazy. A lot of people, I, I just was reading a, a meditation book recently and, um, you know, people kind of describe it as a way to do twice as much work, but with not twice as much effort. Mental capacity. Yeah. It's like maintaining the same mental capacity, but like being more productive and getting more done. And so when you frame it like that, it's like almost like, why wouldn't I like, yeah, like try it? Like, you where's know? the pill? Where's yeah. the pill? I'll <laughs> Give take it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like something that i'm definitely taking more seriously these days yeah super yeah. important You're creating um space in your mind mental health all mm-hmm. that like you know buzzwords and stuff like that yeah um uh, floats good for that too but i was uh i've done two floats yeah and uh how long did you last 90 minutes baby okay wow that's a long one too so i've I, never i've only never done like the 60 minute i uh, yeah i went in there and i was like i don't give a fuck i'm <laughs> staying in here like i'm not even cracking i'm one of those type of people and i just i wanted i wanted to go in and whatever discomfort came from that just deal with it and just like sit there and it was a interesting experience not a pleasurable experience Mm -hmm. for sure but it's very cool when you start to like see or feel like you're literally floating yeah right like uh i don't know if you've ever seen um my mind started to go to uh have you ever seen pirates of the caribbean yeah so yeah Jack Sparrow, the whiteness yeah. with the peanut and shit. I don't if, if, listen. Like, look it up if you don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like, watch the greatest top Disney movies of all time. Anyways, um, and my mind would just go there, and I would just start to like envision just like a person standing there, and start to like have these like weird kind of like visions and shit like that. And yeah. then your emotions would come in like the form of objects and people and things and it's just like holy fuck get me out of here get me out of here get me out of here um so i never really found it to be a pleasurable experience but every time you pop out you know like they usually have a nice little spot to like chill yeah kind of decompress just and, like, decompress think about what you just did and, and yeah it's like you pop out that thing and you sit there and like 
I, I'm on Mars. Like I'm on Mars when I'm sitting there. Like I'm like yeah. tripping balls. Right. Um, and it's a super crazy experience. And I try, I'm trying to be able to get there um, through meditation. Yeah. Fucking hard, man. Yeah. It's super hard. I mean, like that it, it's a discipline thing, you know? Totally. And for me, especially like my mind races it's like in a million places a minute and so that's the big challenge for me it's just like trying to turn that off um and it's it's like a lifelong thing you know it's a that's why they call it like a practice because it's like an ongoing practice every day or week or whatever it may be right yeah Mm -hmm. but i do think that you know my my mom said something to me recently about social media um in particular it's like every time you're on there and you're like looking at you know, all these pictures or stories, like our minds were actually not, we're not supposed to interact with that many people. Even if it's just like a passive interaction of like watching someone on Instagram story and seeing this, you're still like having an interaction. Right. And we're not supposed to interact with thousands of people a day. Like that's like very unnatural, you know? So I think that having those times when you like literally just remove everything, whether it's meditation, whether it's just, floating whether it's having like a quiet few minutes by yourself i think that that is like so valuable whenever i do it i i meditate every day i'm Mm. like i fucking suck at it dude yeah oh my god (laughs) i'm not very good at it either like (laughs) my goal is seven minutes a day yeah that's like me too i do like these 10 minute maybe 15 yeah I'm, um, I'm trying to get the 20 interrupted. Yeah. And that's really hard because when hard. I when I do meditate, I just do uh, breathing-based meditation. Yeah. Um, and so when I do do that, I ch- shut everything off, shut everything off, and then I just get these miraculous conclusions like halfway through, and I'm like, oh, fuck, that was it. <laughs> that was totally it. Like, why didn't I do that? Or, oh, shit, I, t- I should totally do this. Like, I'm constantly, I'm like, you know, I'm a problem solver, and mm. I'm trying to, like, put pieces together and figure out, okay, well, if this is like this, and this person's in this situation, this company needs to do this, like, how do they all three work together in this way that is harmonized and works, like, holistically, and, and I can't figure it out, and then all of a sudden, I'll be in this meditation, and I'll be like, oh, and I'll, like, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, no, no, sh- shut the yeah, fuck yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> like, the realization you've been working on for weeks, it's like, yeah. oh, you had to come now. And uh, yeah. and so I'm just like, okay, but then do I write it down, or like, no, no, I just, I yeah, just keep, keep I just, going. I just keep going and try to stay there. I'm trying to get to, like, 20 and interrupted minutes would be fucking it's so hard i just yeah. i i'm i've literally i use calm yeah that map or, app. Uh, the app or whatever i'm on my like 125th session wow. and dude i still suck like yeah. i still suck. i'm trying so hard at this fucking thing it's super hard there's been times when i felt like i was like you know at least 20 minutes in right and it's like literally like five four minutes damn it have you ever so do you do like have you ever done like a guided meditation i have never okay have you yeah that might be cool for you to try okay so so i i i just thought it was kind of creepy i don't know yeah i mean it is a little bit creepy but i'm willing to like try anything like Like, especially like as a beautiful woman like dude i don't know it's like like, what's gonna happen no i don't know like why is this guy staring at me i don't know you should try it though. So, so what goes down? Like, bring me through that process because I've never. So the one like I've only done it once, but I did like a group one. So it wasn't like a one-on-one. You can do one-on-one. That's um, what I was envisioning. In my yeah, head. Okay. but it's basically just yeah, someone kind of like leading, talking you through, talking it. You through it. And um, there's a lot of different kind of things that they might say. The one that I did was like more about like um, 
she was talking about like different colors and like asking us to picture different colors that like okay. represent different things. Um, so I think that that might help someone like you who's like mind races a lot. Cause it still gives you stuff to like focus on and think about. Mm-hmm. It's just like a more, you're not thinking about like what I had for breakfast. That day. <laughs> you're like thinking about <laughs> the task at hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I would do the one-on-one one though. Really? I think that might be like an interesting experience. Very cool. Yeah. I, I have a friend uh, that has known me since I was a kid who does guided meditation and listens to this podcast. And I've talked about meditation before mm. and she hit me up and she was like, hey, next time you're on the island, like come by, we'll do a session. And I was on the island one time. I know I didn't call you. I'm sorry, but like I just I can't get it in it. my head. Next I time know. I talk to you, I, I expect God. you to have tried it. God damn it. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll have to uh, put that on my list for sure. Yeah, I just think there's something about like, you know, I appreciate like one-on-one conversation. I appreciate one-on-one personal training. I think that there's something about that when like someone's giving you their undivided attention and you're doing the same that can like elicit good results. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it would be like maybe a good thing to try. One-on-one can elicit good results. Interesting. <laughs> Listen, I totally fucking agree. Like, don't get me wrong. I just like how you said that. One-on-one I mean, situations can elicit great results. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways. I can think of a lot of good one-on-one situations. Yeah. Personal training, coaching, guided meditation, uh, some other things. <laughs> it's called a good time. It's a great fucking time. No, I mean, I, uh, the basis of that is human connection. Yeah. And I feel 100%. you for sure. Human connection is beautiful and is, uh, it's, it's almost a high, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a different level yeah. of experience. It's like we're tapping into something. So definitely very dope. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're a perfect podcaster. <laughs> when's your, when's your podcast coming out? Never. Never. <laughs> Shit. Add that to the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on a serious note for the DJs and the producers and the writers that are listening to this because yeah. they saw your name and like, oh shit, I saw her on Complex and Hypebeast and yeah. she's the shit. Like, uh, how does uh how did that all start? Like so one doesn't just get on um on complex. Yeah. I mean, so the writing thing I've always been into writing since I was a kid. Um, I used to do more like creative writing, like short stories and poetry. And then I was a pretty early adopter in terms of like blogging. Right. Um, I've always kind of been into that, even at like, I want to say the first thing I had was like, there's a site called like Asian Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like an Asian, like, you know, very primitive kind of like social network. Are you on subtle Asian traits? No. It's a Facebook group. You'll fucking love it. Okay. Brie, I don't know if you can get it. It might be a closed group. I'm not on it. My girlfriend's on it. It is hilarious. Okay. You'll love it. As a half, you'll love it. Sorry. Yes. Um, so yeah, I was a part of this thing, Asian Avenue. That was kind of like one of the first like online communities. And then there was like Blogspot and like all Hell these different yes. things, you know? And I was always like dabbling in that world. Um, and then... When I was in university is when kind of like social media really started like taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I kind of got into like, I've always, like I said, early adopter, always been active in all those things. Um, but I wasn't really doing much like writing until 
university. I started doing stuff for like my school newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then started writing for some more like local music magazines in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And I was just writing like concert reviews and like album reviews and things like that. And at the time I was like, this is cool. I get to like go to a concert for free. And my and, name's like, on it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got a job like as a student at a marketing agency. And this would have been in like 2010, 2011. So this is really when oh like... What was marketing back then? I'm just This is when like content marketing oh was first like a thing, you know? And and this is when brands were really starting to use like social media. Right. Um and so yeah, I got a job at this marketing agency doing like copywriting, like content marketing, whatever that meant at the time. And um yeah, just started being able to see how you could actually like make money as a person who was like a writer. Right. Um, at the time, I wasn't doing very cool writing, but like, I was ra- still... Like, rather than a journalist, is what you mean? Like, yeah. Like, you can make money as a journalist. Exactly. Yeah. But I was yeah. like... At the time, also, I was like, how does someone become a journalist? They go to journalism school and then get hired at, like, the Vancouver Sun. Like, that didn't seem very, like, appealing to me, you know? But I was doing this... These, like, little bit of music writing, like, on the side, and then also, like, learning the world of, like, more, like, content marketing, what it was at the time. Um... And blogging on behalf of like more brands. Sure. And then where it kind of like really took an interesting turn was someone had sent some of the pieces that I did for our lo- the local music magazine to an editor at Vice. And this is when they had started. They were just like coming to Canada, like with Noisy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Noisy and Thump, I think at the time were the like music publications. And he hit me up and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm actually looking for a contributor in the prairies. Um, Would you want to, like, pitch some stories and, like, write some stories? And I was like, yeah, cool. So I, like, pitched him a bunch of stories, ended up getting one placed. Like, it ran. I think I got paid, like, 75 bucks at the time. And I was like, this is so cool. Solid, like, by yeah. the way. <laughs> like, that's, like, 75 bucks off your first piece. Like, that's yeah. solid. Yeah. And that's kind of when I had that, like, moment of, like, okay, I can do this like and like the timing was kind of like right you know like I got this in with this guy Vice like blah blah blah. so yeah I started just like doing that like I wasn't writing very much I was like writing like one piece a month for Vice Um, reviews it was more like features on like artists local artists yeah type thing yeah and so that was kind of the first big sort of like publication that I wrote for and got paid for it and then I started writing for Complex because I was I was doing a lot of music stuff. Right. And then um, a friend of mine was like, hey, have you ever d- wanted to like write about fashion? And I was like, yeah. And that's when like streetwear and stuff was like really like popping off in the blog world. Still um, popping off, no? S- still popping off. I don't I know. Mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that was really in like the heyday of like the fashion blog, you know? What year? It's been like 2013. 2013. What was popular in 2013? Like what fashion wise? Like bring me back. Uh, mm. Why am I? Not, I, I just, nothing is coming to mind. I want to say like. Is that still like Kanye pink polo? No, that's like. <laughs> Bro, you see how <laughs> off I before. am? When was that? That was like 2005. 
Bro, so, that 2005 was the throwback jerseys. 2013, I want to say, I don't know what was popular. We should look it up. Yeah, let's Bri- look something she, up. I'm sure she's on like it. streetwear in 2013. What did I say? 13. Okay, okay. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, so what I'm talking urban. Yeah. You had the. You had the double uh, XL jerseys, the okay, NBA Supreme jerseys. Supreme was definitely popping in 2013. No fucking way, really? Yeah. Supreme was popping in 2013. I think that was like, I mean, Are it's you been popping, but they've been around since 1994. Yeah, I know, but that it, it was out of like same with Champions, been around since the 70s. Yeah, I think that. Um, I mean, it's still kind of like this. Doesn't even look that long ago. This to looks be like yesterday. Yeah. Like I'm still lagging on this yeah graphic tees oh my god rihanna looks good in any year and and so you had rihanna and then you had a 13 year old girl from down a block <laughs> <laughs> graphic tees okay still kind of cool whatever okay this picture right here is that nigo or who is that i don't know who that is this one right here and, i don't think that's nigo kind of looks like him but i think this whole look is like very of that era okay. like 2013 14 like the like kind of like minimal like logo tee like yeah maybe some like weird glasses but anyway so <laughs> weird hat. yeah that's when also fashion blogs though were like super popping like this is like kind of in the era when like complex and like hypebeast and all those things really were like really to, ramping you know, up yeah. and also right before they had gone heavy on the like ad side of things yeah. it was still kind of like there was this like purity of like actually just sharing it was underground you. in a way yeah um so yeah i started writing for complex then and at that time there was no like complex in canada yeah. um it was just like there was an office in new york that i was like i was still living in calgary like working remotely for them and um I was working my like full-time job and also like writing for complex and it was like crazy. I would like wake up at six in the morning cause that they were on like East coast time and I was on mountain. So I'd wake up at six in the morning so and eight. I would, yeah, I would yeah. do like two hours of like writing before I went to work. Then I would like go to work. I would like write on my lunch hour and like sometimes I was writing like four or five like news posts a day What? and then like still working my full-time job. Shit. And, um, as an intern, yeah, like pretty much. I mean, Damn, I was just like a contributor. You. Yeah, they got me like hardcore. That's cool. I was got to. We're all, we've all <laughs> we put in the hard yards. Yeah, all right? yeah. And so I did that, and then that was really good experience though, because I got to see like how these, it worked. Yeah, like yeah. how these like huge sites at the time, which were like like complex, would sometimes post like a hundred pieces of content a day. That's fucking which crazy. Is fucked. Yeah. Um, and but i didn't have a good experience doing it like i i just felt like i didn't get along with like one of the editors just putting it out there um she (laughs) made my life a living hell yeah probably why that person was an editor yeah Yeah. and uh so i was telling my friend about it one day who happened to work for hypebeast this friend of mine he's from edmonton got some good friends yeah and i was like saying oh my god i've been like writing for complex it's like the fucking worst and he was just like he was like, you know, if you ever like want to work with us, like at Hypebeast, he was like, you can just ask. ask me. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I wasn't like complaining as like a oh roundabout God, way. Yeah. But then I was like, you know what though? Why don't I work with you guys? That's and so it funny. makes way more sense. So I started writing for Hypebeast as like a, basically like a staff writer. That's and this so is sweet. Like, yeah. In the beginning of 2015. So this is around the time that I was quitting my, um, 
my nine to five nine to five yeah and i started working for hypebeast on like a part-time salary at the time which wasn't very much but it was something Who cares? Yeah. yeah and i think that that really empowered me to like leave my job oh there's I was money like, over here yeah. yeah and like you know by this time i had built up like a pretty decent like writing portfolio i had totally. like a couple of big brands there and that was really like a key kind of time when i got that that part-time gig at hypebeast i was like okay i'm good now i can like go and like try to really make a run for yeah, this just go yeah, yeah. and so it's kind of how that happened i mean it was all Crazy. just like there was no people ask me all the time like how do i start writing for publications i mean the the online publication world is like not what it used to be it's like like i said it's a lot more like ad driven yeah, yeah. ad driven now um but yeah it's always just been about like relationships for yeah. me yeah everybody constantly. who gave me those opportunities were people i just knew um yeah yeah so Very that's kind of that how that happened i still do like work with those people well, yeah your name is still up there like you're still yeah that's a post from you not that long ago yeah, yeah so um i after i'd left complex obviously and i was like working with hype east and then when i moved to toronto that was when um complex had just opened like a canadian like a satellite office right right right, right, right. yeah and so i actually yeah yeah and so i actually applied like before i moved to toronto i had applied for an editor role within the complex like canadian office Ooh. um they ended up hiring a guy who was like from toronto they just hired local but um the guy who was hiring he was like if you come to toronto Call make me. sure you hit me up yeah, yeah yeah and then i never did i got there didn't hit him up I don't know why I was just like focusing on other things and it never crossed my mind. But then about a year, almost after I'd lived in Toronto, um, someone like that we both knew had mentioned to me like, Oh yeah, I know like, you know, Chris from complex. He like your name came up in conversation and he like wants you to hit him up. And I was like, okay, cool. So I hit him up. We went for coffee and I went to meet him at his office. And the first thing he did was he like, pulled up my resume that he had from when I had applied for this job like a year and a half before. Hmm. And he was like, I literally always held on to this because wow. he's like, I thought you were cool. And like, I was like, when I, when I said, hit me up, like I meant, I meant hit to, me up. yeah, <laughs> not just like, ah, sorry, you didn't get it. Hit me up sometime. Call yeah. me. Never. And, and so I was like, wow, that's so dope. Like that was really cool. And so he was like, yeah, there's like an opportunity to like work with us if you want. Like we need Canadian content and, at the time, my DJ stuff was, like, really picking up. And I was, like, should I do this? Like, do I want to even, like, put effort into, like, doing, like, editorial work anymore? But I still, like, care about it. I still like, like, storytelling. I still like, like, you know, giving people their first kind of, like, complex look. Like, all it's of that still... Cool thing. Yeah. yeah, all that still, like, means something to me. So wow. I do that now. And I just... So, yeah, I just work on my mandate is just like Canadian content. Keep Shout out, out to um, uh, Chris from Complex. Chris, Com Chris, Chris from Complex is like one of the realest ones. You got like 10 people writing that down. Yeah. Google Chris from Complex. Oh my God. Don't email him. He's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stretch he's a it. super great guy and um, he's one of those like really like real real people and I'm, I'm just like super grateful for him. So Hell yeah. That's super amazing. So yeah. I'm so curious. I uh, I love how... I'm very curious on how these publications, Complex Hype Beast, um, and just like how they've kind of overtaken the main content platforms. Like mm. Complex is ABC now. Mm -hmm. Complex is NBC. Yeah. 
Like, what's the last television you show you watched? Like, fucking me it was probably Hot Ones. What's yeah. the one I watched before that? Sneaker shopping. Yeah. Like legitimately, right? Like I'm sorry. Like that's that's just real life. From your knowledge, obviously you've been within the um, and I, I I've spent some time on the digital agency side. But from your knowledge, I want to know like what's the origin story of that and how, what was there? I mean, the story is cool, but I want to kind of know, and I don't know if you can share this or mm-hmm. um, what your perspective is on it, but what was their plan of attack and what was their thinking as they built that company up to essentially like a media behemoth yeah. now, whether whether the big uh, guys want to admit it or not? Yeah, I think that, I mean, Complex in particular has just always been really good at knowing their audience so when did complex start i want to say that it started like i don't even know like in the early 90s what as like a magazine magazine damn maybe mid 90s can we fact check that yeah please i was thinking like 2004 or 2007 so it was like a print magazine for like a long time damn might be like the mid to late 90s that's gonna be my guess so um, so complex was like a double XL yeah. or like a source. Yes, exactly. And so Damn. it then, you know, became like this online thing. And like, even when I was first working there, it was like, so the ad, like the like click clicks and views model for like publications is just not. So, okay. It's 2002. What the fuck is that? Brie, we might get demonetized in that little naked lady in the corner. <laughs> Just oh, kidding. Oh, it's Demi Lovato. Wow. So, yeah, it's Mark Echo of, like, of Echo, Echo Unlimited of Echo. who, like, started it. Yeah. Wow. So, um... Very cool. Report the latest in hip-hop fashion and pop culture without regard to race. Interesting. Maybe that was just put in there recently. So it used to be like very like uh, it was a men's magazine. Okay, so in April 2007, Complex uh, Soft launched a media network with four websites. Right. Nah, right. Nice kicks. Nice kicks. Slam hype. Slam hype was like out there sports kind and of. And Mo like. Jackson. Do you know about this? I know about that. Yeah, I don't know about who's Mo Jackson is. Who, Who are you, Mo? But um, yeah, they've always been good about knowing their audience and like even when i was first writing for them in 2013 or whatever it was um it was just like they had it dialed like they knew exactly like what kind of stuff to post to get that get the traffic and get people on the site very cool and um they had crazy data i mean that's like the craziest part about like the digital world that we're living is like you could track everything yeah you know so like they had all kinds of insights about like who is reading their stuff who is engaging on their socials so everything that you see now is like informed from all those insights very that they've been collecting yes and pigeonholed yeah, yeah. very interesting okay um, so started way back then you started with them uh in what year 2013 i think it was okay so from coming from a magazine into, I guess, around that same time they did the soft launch or a little bit, that's five years after, but they probably had weeded out some of the things that didn't work mm. and were probably, what direction were they moving in in 2013? So in 2013, it was becoming a lot more about the like sensationalized like news the climate. Yeah. Like, and that, that's really, I think 
between 2013 and 2015 is when the like era of like the clickbait so they sold really... out that's what you're saying yeah I'm i mean that's not it. you're not saying it <laughs> <laughs> but not just complex though like everybody started doing right. it like even when i was working for hype beast like hype beast never used to post stuff about celebrities it right. was always like about sneakers and like clothing underground music, music or, yeah, yeah like dope stuff but now like you go on there and it's like stories about like the kardashians ariana grande, ariana grande. Yeah. like um even the fader like one of my favorite music sites ever is now like you go on there and see news about like ariana grande you sound like a disappointed parent and i mean i am a little <laughs> bit a little bit but i also understand like why that happened yeah. it's because that like the model that used to be like the ad generating model like based on clicks and views and page views and all that stuff it's just like not sustainable you just need to continue to like put up the most like sensational like content content yeah. and like also the the very like pop heavy stuff like the ariana grande stuff like there's right. a reason she's like one of the biggest pop stars in the world because she has like wide appeal so when fader posts an article about her they're trying to like cast ca a broad net yeah exactly um so that's why now a lot of sites have moved to more the sponsored content like model, which is where they're like still creating content um, that's being paid for by someone else okay. instead of relying on just like clicks, page views, um, banner ads. So, and I don't know about like sneaker shopping if that's like a sponsored one. I haven't watched like a new one. In a while. It's still like presented by McDonald's or presented yeah. by this or presented by that. Right? Yeah. So that's how that's that strategy. It's like we're gonna create this dope series that like millions of gonna people people are gonna watch, and then we're gonna be able to sell that to advertisers. But it's still like a dope piece of content, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't. It's not taking away. Like I hate. I hate. I really hate when like the NBA does like. And this is. Uh, Hotels.com, this play of the night or that yeah. play. I'm like, fuck off. Like, Ford, drive of the night. Like, right. suck a dick. Like, fuck right. out of here. But, like, sneaker shopping is just, like, presented by KFC at the start. Right. And then it's, like, presented by KFC at the end. And that's it. And also, like, does that increase sales for KFC? Like, that's the other thing I was going to ask you. Nobody knows. <laughs> no one fucking knows. It's not, <laughs> no it's not knows. tangible. It's the no. same thing, like, with, with the billboards. Like, okay, are you boosting brand awareness? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. But what does that, what does that slot go for? I mean, I, I don't expect you to have a number. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I would assume it'd be a lot. Um, if like, you know, 10, they're getting like tens or twenties millions of views. Um, so it's a funny, it's a funny thing. I mean, I don't personally believe that KFC is selling more pieces of chicken because they've paid for their sponsorship. You also can't track data through that. Like there's no yeah. click through rates. You don't have conversions. Okay, right. Sorry. What yeah. they are getting though is like more eyes on their brand. You can't deny that. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't... Convert to burger sales. No. But some people in those boardrooms just like to see those like impressive numbers. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I still don't... I don't know when that's going to change. Probably in the next economic downturn, but... Yeah. Another another thing. Um, okay, so 2013 to 2015, Complex is kind of going, and these major publications are going towards a clickbait uh, yeah. model. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't like 
like definitely say that it's not just complex like it's it was like no, across the like board it was like these... industry change was definitely changing so there, there was and, a, a change in tides in the industry yeah and yeah. a lot of people who were part of it before were get like starting to get out of the industry right and um, create other things yeah, yeah like a lot of like it's funny you see a lot of people who um used to work in like online media now work for like tech companies very interesting yeah Yeah. like a lot of the old complex staff went to genius and they went to grailed and like stuff that has more of like some like techie element yeah 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 yeah. um doing like original content for those companies so yeah it's definitely a shift i think 2015 i think is like the biggest was like a, a changing of tides in that industry okay so cool then we kind of we kind of got a little bit numb to it i felt like the consumer base kind of started to understand and you know we're not dumb like yeah. the the consumer base got savvy mm-hmm. uh, maybe throughout the 2016 2017 period where are we now in 2019 when it comes to content and i want you to speak on this both on a large scale from yeah. like a uh, a complex and a pigeons and plans and a fader but also from like a small to, to, to medium scale with uh i don't know hip-hop canada or yeah. self-hired or you know brands like that that yeah. are kind of like have a base but aren't necessarily selling to KFC. Right. So I think that where we're at now is like those sites still have like a place. They're not as people don't go on Complex anymore and like read it the way that they used to. It's not a mag. No, yeah. it's not like a you know it used to be a place that people would go and really like discover things they would sit there and scroll things would get broken on that yeah Yeah. it's not that anymore but it's still like there's it's media is still important um it's still an important place to like tell your story and that's why i'm so so passionate about like i do a lot of like music related stuff a lot of stuff with like up and coming artists because like you said having that like look on complex is still holds like a little bit of weight it holds a lot of weight. Yeah. Don't, yeah. And. I don't mean to sound like I'm shitting on, like I, fuck, I'm I, like, yeah, comics is dope. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like that, that, that holds weight. It's yeah. still, it's impactful in the culture. It hasn't slipped. For sure. And like, even if you want to get into like the nitty gritty of it, like sites like that, you know, they rank really highly on search engines. So if you're trying to like build your brand or build like a certain like perception about yourself, it's nice to have when you type in your name and you've got like something on any one of those sites. So point in case, Josephine. Grace yes. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah. I think that that it's still important. Brie, um, Google Josephine Cruz real quick. Just Google it. Don't, yeah. don't curate it. Just Google it and show me what pops up. Anyways, keep going. So, I, sorry. I Google myself often. Actually. What's the approach? What's um, the approach? For smaller brands or for bigger? Both. Give me okay. bigger first. I think that, sponsored content is like actually i I think we haven't even really got there or or realized like the full potential of that yet josephine cruz hype beast jmkm my my site's down don't josephine cruz complex (laughs) linkedin honestly i daily twitter deleting my linkedin because i'm like why do i have this complex hype beast keep going down tons of professionally done photos (laughs) soundcloud freelance journalist muckrack yeah yeah okay i've, I've seen enough yeah. you know so you know if you go to the bottom brian go to the bottom real quick if you go in and it says searches related <laughs> to your name you've made what it does that mean, okay though? you've made it it means that 
people go Josephine Cruz. They don't just go that. They go Josephine Cruz. Email is the first email, one. Oh my god. Josephine Cruz ex husband. <laughs> Josephine Cruz in a bikini. Shit oh like that. That's god. how you know you've made it. Josephine Cruz email. Please don't email me. My email's a disaster. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I think that sponsored content. Sorry. Yep. Is still. Um, yeah, I think that that is like still something that's evolving, and that we're gonna see like more big media brands like going down that road but doing it in different ways and like not corny ways what are the different ways um i'm trying to think of like an example but i'm just make something up if you were if you were the head of marketing in that uh in one of those publications and you were looking for a new creative way to yeah to bring content I mean, to the market how would you do it you basically position yourself like a content agency and you go after like big brands and instead of just being like oh i'm gonna like put up a post for you guys of like your lookbook with a link and that's my piece of sponsored content it's mm -hmm. like actually creating like a great storytelling piece whether it's like video whether it's like images or anything like that yeah like i think that that's you're kind of seeing that like seeing companies do that already like Fader has like their own agency arm. Vice had it. I don't even know what these are called, but yeah. Yeah. I think that that's still like a very valid way to like make money and continue to keep your business going. For smaller brands, are we talking about like media publications particularly? Yes, let's talk about okay. uh, so, media publications, but that are that are creating the content. Yeah, I think that if you're smaller, it's really about like. Um, not trying to like have the most, like you really want to like hone in on your audience and like, how am I, what am I trying to say here? Create a niche? Yeah. Like I think that there's still kind of like value in having maybe not the biggest audience, but a really, really engaged audience. Hmm. And I think that you're seeing that now, even with this whole like, new wave of like micro influencers they're not people who have the biggest audience but they're people who have like a super engaged high audience. engagement in a smaller group of people yeah. yeah and i think that for like smaller companies or brands or smaller entities who might feel like oh my god i'm never going to be like as big as a complex it's like you actually don't have to be you can just be mic drop <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean a, a, an example that i was telling someone the other day of this is there's this dj and producer who i'm like a super fan of his name's mind of a dragon okay and he does not have that big of a following okay he's like he's someone who like a lot of other djs are a fan of but like his instagram he's got like three thousand followers maybe sure he posted a video of myself. We can pull it up if you want to. <laughs> he posted a video on his Instagram of me yeah. and my partner. Yes. Uh, we played on this like live stream party called Just Jam whoa, in the UK. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your partner, he's a DJ? Yes, he's a DJ. Oh, shit. His name's Frieza. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shout out, Frieza. We, we can pull that up too. Yeah, we could talk about him a lot. He's yeah. an interesting person. Cool. Um, but we played on this party, this like live stream thing called Just Jam. And we played like a Mind of a Dragon tune. And I guess he saw the live stream and he cut like the part out where we were playing his song and he put it on his Instagram. Dope. So because he is someone who is so well respected, 
and a lot of like it's not even about how many people follow him but it's about like who is following him yeah and if they interact yeah Yeah. i gained like close to a hundred followers off of him posting a video of me on his instagram yeah and he only has three thousand followers right so to like compare that i've had like my content reposted by accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers right, okay. and so, not seen. Okay. So his name's yeah. His Instagram is literally just mind. So there's you. That's me. That's of you. Brianna a, show some love. Hit that follow button. What you doing? <laughs> <laughs> mind of a dragon. He's, he's really dope. Yeah. He's that, that's him at the top there. So if you just like scroll down a little bit, he's been doing, he's been putting out a lot of music. So he's been promoting like a lot. Keep scrolling. He so also he, makes like all these really dope visuals, which is like sick. Um, it's coming. It's like almost coming. I love that you know exactly where I it know. is. I know. Because I was telling someone else this the other day and I used it as an example. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, okay, there. The green square in the middle. That's so right. he's like, he just shouted us out playing one of his tunes. Oh. And so with 770 views. Yeah, which like isn't a lot. And he again, he has like 3000 followers, but like this is just super of, vibey with the fuck. This is dope. Yeah, so Just Jam is sick. Big up Tim and Barry for having us on Just Jam. That's dope. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, what I'm trying to say though is that like, you know, he's an example of someone who has like not a very not a very Large big base, following, yeah, yeah. but like a very engaged following who sees him as like, he's a huge influencer. He's a very influential person. And it's like, oh, by like, by us being posted on this, a hundred other people are out there. We're like, cool, I'm going to follow that girl. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, you compare that with like, I've had my content posted by sites that have like hundreds of thousands or maybe even in the millions of followers. And like, you know, you might see some people like liking your photos and maybe a couple of people follow you. Yeah. But their their audience just isn't engaged like that. And even that. the people that do follow you are just kind of like, I don't want to say randos, but yeah, like kind of randos. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I think that this whole like notion of like, you know, influ- the influencer is still like really relevant, but it's a different kind of like it's evolving. influencer. Yeah. Hmm. So, Very interesting. Yeah, I don't even know what the original question was, but um, I think this is just a good example of how things are changing, though. You know what I mean? Like, and how we're still going to look to people, smaller people, smaller brands, smaller publications to, like, tell us what's cool. Right. Yeah. And and, yeah. and, and, and lead the forefront of culture. And, and that's what it's been for a long time. I mean, back to, like, the source back in the day, right? Yeah. Like it's, that's still it. Yeah. Um, the question was, is so you said larger publications are still looking to sponsor posts and that's going to evolve. Yeah, it's going to evolve and they're going to become more like large scale, like content creators, like agencies. And on the smaller scale, yeah, it's these micro influencers. Yeah. More about like micro influence, really like honing in on who your audience is and like creating like content or experiences that are very tailored to those, to those people yeah. and then growing out from yeah. there yeah, rather than just trying to appeal to everybody. To everybody yeah. The there's time. huge value in having 10, 10 to 50 like really loyal customers or fans mm-hmm. than having like a thousand sort of like part-timey fans you know what yeah that's actually something we've learned with this podcast we have people that hit us up every time a podcast drops or we'll share it every time a podcast yeah drops. 
I gotta, we gotta talk. I gotta figure out a way to like reward those people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you're so persistent. Like, it's mm. clear you fucking love it. Yeah. And you're engaging with it constantly. You're sharing with it constantly. Like, yeah. Those type of people are just like, fuck yeah. And I'm like a fan of a couple artists. Uh, do you know who K.O. Guevara is? Yes. I fucking love K.O. Yeah. Super dope. Getting on K.O. Next He's time you out of here. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get your number somehow. Um, I, uh, no, we've had a bunch of exchanges and, mm. uh, super dope artists. And it's just like, what the fuck was I saying about that? I just totally fanboyed right there. <laughs> K.O. was the like, man. I lost my train of thought. I totally lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I remember now. Sorry. Pull the Joe button. Um, <laughs> um, with K.O., it's like I'm, I'm, every time you put something out, like I'm fucking sharing it. Yeah. Because like, he's, the, he's the man. Right. And like what he does is epic. And we have some people that uh, feel that same way about what we do, which is just like amazing. And I just like – and uh, I'll have those interactions and I'll get in those DMs and we go, thank you so much. Da, 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 da. But like, I need something more mm. to like, and like, I can, yeah, I can toss you a shirt or something like yeah. that, but it's just like, I want to give you an experience. I think that's a good insight though, is like giving, you know, people a lot of different ways to interact with yeah. your brand, yeah. whether it's like a phys- like a physical thing, like a hoodie, whether it's an experience, like an event, whether it's like a piece of content they can like consume however they want that's like really important and like that's something that i've been like really aware of over the last like i would say six months and that's why i'm doing like a lot of the things that i'm doing like why we started the label Mm -hmm. why we like started this radio thing it's like all about just like giving people different ways to interact with you fuck yeah and experience what you're about and like sharing your passions in different ways but do you worry about spreading yourself too thin yeah for sure. I, I mean, mean, internet radio, label, DJ, writer, yeah. producer. I think that it is like, I, I, that's always on my mind, especially, like I said, after that experience that I had where I like had pushed myself so much to that limit. But I think the difference with me now, though, is that I'm like energized by all these things. As You're opposed, excited by them. Yeah. As opposed to like depleted. Dope. Yeah. Let's talk about it. But uh, you want to get some more tea? Yeah. Let's oh, get some more that. tea. My okay, mouth so is a little dry. Yeah. Uh, we're back. Uh, we're teed up. <laughs> gotcha. It's really good tea. Hell yeah. And great cups as well. Shout out to the glorious, iconic Van City. <laughs> Talking about sponsored <laughs> <Yeah>. content. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I wanted to switch gears a little bit and go a little bit more to um, uh, towards your career, mm-hmm. obviously, as a DJ, as a writer, as a producer, as all these different little things. I want to open that up with uh, Josephine. The fuck do you do? So I now call myself a DJ and creative consultant. Mm. That's what I've come up with after many like hours of thinking about how do I like have a catch all. And that's kind of what sounds like it has a higher price tag as well. Yeah. I mean, consultant is like, it's kind of a fancy word. Do you need a license for that? No. Fuck yeah. I mean, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Yeah. Basically what I do is just, it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of marketing. It's a little bit of PR. It's a little bit of like event production, content production, music programming. And so I just have that catch all phrase creative consultant that um, encompasses all that. But yeah, my work's very varied. Um, Obviously the DJ stuff is like kind of its own thing. Um, That's kind of like more my personal brand and like building myself as like an artist um and then all my other consulting work is like usually on behalf of others so 
I've done work with artists. I've done work with brands. I've done work with record labels. Um, I mean, everything from like marketing to PR to media strategy to social media. So go a little bit deeper into that because that's very interesting. And I think it's a lane that's emerging because there's a, a wave of people now that have been in the digital space, the culture space, the urban space mm-hmm. for like 10, 15 years now mm-hmm. and actually have the pedigree mm-hmm. to call themselves consultants, mm-hmm. yourself being one of them. Um, how the fuck does that actually work in the sense of like, okay, so we have an artist. Um, we'll call our artist Glenn. Yeah. Uh, Glenn is an upcoming artist. Glenn has a great sound, doesn't necessarily have the bass, maybe has a small following, family and friends, plus a couple fans. Yeah. And they bring you in. Like, what is that process like? Because traditionally, like I, I work in wealth management, so mm. there's a little bit of a, a corporate there, if you mm. will. And it's like when we hire consultants, they'll come in, they'll give a hypothesis, uh, yeah. they'll do a full breakdown analysis where our workflow problems are. And it's very ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And in charge, you know, they charge us a, atrocious yeah um bill uh for that one so on a smaller scale what does that look like it's basically the same thing it's you know let's say i get hired by glenn i would come in and i would meet him and whoever else is involved with his operation figure out how they've been doing things up until this point um any like significant wins or things that they thought went really well and so like areas. i was featured on complex yeah, or something like that okay totally or and then also figure out like areas that they're not doing so well in so like i really need to figure out how to like get on spotify playlists or like pump my numbers here and there or like get more followers um and then it's about just like coming up with a plan to sustain the things that are going really well and improve on the things that maybe aren't going so well Shit. and then yeah that that's basically what it is, is doing artist consulting. And that type of like engagement would be probably for like a set period of time. 30 days, 90 days. Yeah. It could be any of those and then different fees based on that. So I was kind of doing all of that stuff, like very informally for a lot of years. As it usually happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would say like a couple of years ago after, you know, I was, like I said, I was really burnt out from like DJing a lot. When I got to Toronto, I was DJing a lot. I was DJing what I call like the circuit, which is yep. like DJing in bars like What's every one street? night. So we have King Street. King Street. Yeah, Queen yeah. Street. Um, and so it was around that time that I was really trying to like refocus my business. And I was like, you know, I'm already doing this sort of like unofficial consulting and i just decided to like make it a little bit more official as like the homie like oh no josephine knows bring her in ask her this that and the other yeah Yeah. and i think that was a big lesson too and just kind of like knowing your worth and knowing that what that what you're giving is like a very valuable opinion and that people should pay for that time Sure, but then your, your your client base doesn't necessarily have. I mean, I have no idea what your rates are. I don't, mm. I'm not going to ask you, but it's just like uh, artist Glenn doesn't necessarily yeah. necessarily have five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars to throw you for that. Right. So, are you super negotiable? What's that conversation like? Like, yeah. you're, they very likely can't pay you what your worth is. Yeah, I mean, I'm really flexible. Like, I'm always more willing to take on a project that I believe in for less. Um, I've definitely done like a lot of pro bono work. Of course. Um, well, I mean, that's what it takes. To, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that there's like other ways that you can be like compensated that maybe isn't like money. Oh? 
Yeah. As in equity? Yeah. I mean, like, for instance, I recently did like a, um, an event for a charity. Okay. And they were like, oh, yeah, we have like a, we have like a small budget, but it's not going to be like your full so we can pay you a little bit we can't really pay you what you're worth yeah Yeah. and so they're like what do you want to do and so in those situations i would usually ask for kind of some different things like can you feature me on your instagram account can you you know um give me tickets to your like next thing for free yeah or like anything like that if it's for like a brand you know i've done some events for for brands that are like oh we they don't want to pay you your full rate. And it's like, well, can you give me like product then to like make up for it or like something like that? Intangible is not necessarily a dollar value. Yeah. Very and cool. I think like when you're building your own brand too, things like a, a, a shout out on social media or a post on Instagram are actually like very valuable in yeah. like getting your kind of like name out there to Especially different audiences. Especially the right person, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that example we just gave. So that's kind of like how I navigate that. But when it comes to working with artists, like obviously artists are up and coming ones like rarely have like big budgets but so it's just about another thing too is some people might come at you and be like i want all of these things and i want to pay like this This much much. but then it's about like just kind of meeting in the middle yeah totally yeah which is a hard conversation to have like people don't like talking about money yeah oh man it's like it's it's super hard and i think i do think it for me over time it has gotten easier and i hope that it continues to get easier but also now that i'm like doing more and the dollars are bigger it's mm-hmm. it's always like a challenge but and the, the clientele is a little bit more accustomed to it right yeah totally yeah but i think you just have to have that confidence and i spend a lot of my free time like researching you know different like how to price like who's pricing what asking my friends who are in the industry like what they're yeah. doing and i think we just you know we need to support each other in that way mm-hmm. like um, that's why I like, I love having a lot of other friends who are self-employed because I can ask them really openly about like how they do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it can be hard. Like when you're just out there on your own trying, trying to, like, to navigate, throw numbers out there and shit like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, but the crazy thing is the big secret is, is that it always is just a number thrown out there. Yeah. Like I'm sometimes people ask me what my rate for something would be. And I'm just like, uh, about this like it's yeah. it's always kind of a guess you know totally. so it's yeah. hard no it's totally it's it's really hard and, yeah. and knowing your worth and then but i mean as you go and you get better your skills get better your mm. price tag goes up and the clientele that you're working with goes up as well right yeah um w- which is all really cool so you're doing you know creative consulting mm-hmm. uh, from every, like let's just call it urban digital if you will yeah. right like uh <clears throat> and you're djing yeah what do you want to be doing is it exactly that? Or do you want to make any pivots? I honestly do feel like I'm doing what I want to be doing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn, son. Yeah. Shit. I just want to be doing the same of what I'm doing, but like... On more, a higher level? Yeah. Everything yeah. just more like evolved. <laughs> I just want like, not necessarily even like bigger clients, but like, yeah, bigger clients. Hell yeah. <laughs> No, that's beautiful. <laughs> no, it's... on. No, honestly, it, yeah. it, 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 it means so much. I've had... A, we've had a couple... That's a question I've thrown out at a couple people that I think are really on a an amazing trajectory and mm. and and have high ceilings. Mm. And I'll be like, okay, so you're doing this and you're doing this and you've positioned yourself this way after these experiences and maybe it's an hour to the conversation like we are now. And I'll be like, well, okay, 
so what's next or how do you want to pivot? How do you want to move? And like, dude, I just want to be better at what I'm doing right now. I'm just not good enough at what I'm at right now. And I'm like, well, what you're doing right now is why you're sitting across the table. Mm -hmm. So you're clearly doing something really well, but just because so often in corporate culture or in fucking Western culture, if you're like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And the, 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 the answer is always, Oh, I want to be an artist or I want to go fish or I want to go hunt or I want to go do this or I want to go do that. And it's never like, Oh no, I'm like, I'm really happy with the current trajectory of my life. Yeah. Like that's fucking amazing. It is amazing. It's, it's a blessing for sure. And it took a lot to like get to this point, like as you've probably learned from this conversation, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, again, it's okay to want more and, like, I'm com- more comfortable with the notion of, like, wanting more out of my life and and more doesn't necessarily just mean, like, money, although that is, like... Part of the equation. Part of it, too, yep. yeah. But I do think that, like, you know, even some of the projects that I'm working on now, like the record label and the radio station, that's also about, like, elevating other people and that's, yeah. like, a huge marker of success for me is, like, how can I, like, now turn my brand my experience my like influence i hate that word because it's like i yeah. know don't it's real trust me real influence yes. um impact in, yeah impact into like something that can like help more than just myself yeah no yeah. totally um and i want to ask you about that i want to ask you about both the record label and i also want to ask you about radio but before yeah. that a, a weird question i haven't thrown out yet is like as a freelance creative mm-hmm. fair yeah fair yeah how the fuck do you budget um so it's really hard like <laughs> i think that that is something that's like a work in progress <laughs> like how do you your income is so probably like up and down yeah like i just don't understand so it is very up and down yeah. it's like literally like huge payday my, nothing, yeah nothing, my bank account nothing always has like, i saw someone tweet something like this the other day but they were like my bank account literally has either a dollar 25 or fifteen thousand dollars in it it's like never like somewhere in the middle um <laughs> you need some help <laughs> <laughs> but that's like the nature of it and it's a lot of waiting to get paid like i've had invoices go to like 180 days oh before. my god pet peeve yeah and then by the time you get that money it's like you never really had it because you're just like bro paying back. actually what the fuck if inflation is taking its course on my fucking invoice it's it's taken too long (laughs) yeah facts sorry (laughs) no i totally hear you so budgeting is is hard one um what i do now is like i pretty much just like put a lot of things on like a credit card yeah and then i'll like pay that off like every month or maybe a little bit more than a month depending when like checks come in fair enough okay um but that's kind of the best way for me just because now I'm to the point where like, I know the money is like coming. It just might not come like right when I need it. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I've worked my, like I've gotten my career to a point where I can say that like, even though I don't technically have like a salary, I just sort of know the money will be coming at some point. Yeah. Cause I can yeah. look at like now four years and be like, it's pretty uniform, like mm-hmm. how things have like gone up, you know, year over year, I've like made more money than the last. Um, and now over the last, I would say like six months, six to eight months, it's like been pretty consistent. So then you're right. Okay. So I like it. You kind of dodged that, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Budgeting is yeah. super hard though. And I think that it was, it's hard, even if you have like 
a salary job because uh, yeah it's hard no matter who you are yeah yeah um i just try to be like don't spend your money before you really have it like if i have like an invoice that i know is going to be paid then that's one thing but if i haven't done any work and i'm like oh yeah i want like a new shirt then no that's no. not sorry it. dude yeah yeah okay yeah no totally feel you it's uh, especially as an entrepreneur and um with those weird invoice payment schedules and you can't even really depend on these artists or these companies or these agencies to even really pay on time and some of them yeah. are just ridiculous payment schedules too like a mm -hmm. lot of them a lot of digital um and a lot of big corporate guys do like net 90 yeah which, which is, is like, like insane. a pain in the yeah. ass holy i just don't know how that's even a thing like how you can as the person paying you shouldn't be able to set the payment terms like yes. the person getting paid should set them or it should be a conversation like, yeah or it's just like no no no, no. We, we, we pay net 90 yeah exactly i've had lots of people say that and i'm just like oh well what if mine what if my terms are like net 30 like yeah. what then which you is know? not like that's that's completely reasonable yeah or like oh it's net 90 like why isn't it net fucking 365 like jesus christ right <laughs> you know i don't know yeah <laughs> um anyways i really i really want to ask you about um what you're doing with uh uh internet radio digital and and just the underground radio scene and what you're trying to cultivate there because i'm trying to put it in my mind as i'm putting these pieces of the puzzle together mm -hmm. of who i think you are and where you're trying to go and all this shit i'm like hmm what strategic purpose does that play mm. or is it solely just giving back i don't know i mean it's a bit of both like i think that um, i have been doing radio now for like about three years i'm on a bunch of different stations and for me i feel like that's like one of the most helpful and transformative like experiences for me it's helped me grow skills in like planning radio shows learning different gear staying on top of music, all of these like really important things that I feel like were super valuable for me. Right. And, um, we did not have like an independent online radio station in Toronto. So I what was like, big stations out there. Sorry for the being big stations? Yeah. We have like the bigger ones are like flow 93, five. That's right. like the big, like famous kind of like hip hop station. Okay. Um, there's one called like vibe 1055. Um, we have like a pretty good college radio, U of T, it's okay. CIUT 89.5. Um, but yeah, nothing really like indie. Do, so like, for instance, artists like Roy Woods mm -hmm. or guys like that, that are like signed mm -hmm. and like on a major, you know, label, but are not necessarily mainstream. Do they get play or is there a spot where they get play in Toronto? They would get play on like flow 93.5. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, that one's pretty good. They do like... I think they have like a mandate that they play like 20% local content or something oh. like that, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like I just really wanted to start the radio station. Just something that was like for our community by our community, you know, like so much of the, the creative economy in Toronto is like really reliant on like brand sponsorship and like corporate sponsorship and grants and yeah, I just really wanted to create something that was like really grassroots and um, a place that could be, 
you know, all those things that I just listed that I said that I got from doing radio myself, I wanted to like give that back to other people. So when you say like a corporate interference in a way is like mm-hmm. a Nike coming in or Red Bull coming in and running an event here or doing this yeah, or the and other. I mean like I li- I have many like brand partners and I don't want to ever make it sound like I'm like not like I don't appreciate what they do. Totally. You know, like I think that brands like Nike and like Red Bull and all of those like that's some of the only ways for creatives to like really make like a decent paycheck is when they do like work with brands like that. So that's all like amazing. But I do think that, you know, there's something to be said about like a growing a platform that is like not about any of that. Um, And not only not about like making money, um, it also like doesn't exist on like any of the big social platforms. It's like we've built our own website where you like consume this content through. And I just kind of like that. I don't know. It's like, like so much of our world is like the feed and like the algorithm and yeah, what we do is not about that at all. It's like you go on the website and you press play and you listen to like someone else kind of like curate an experience for you an odd, an audio experience okay with that in mind Mm -hmm. i love it like i'm (laughs) i love it like don't get me wrong i'm totally um uh i don't want to peg myself as a counterculture guy that's not right but i just i like things that just do things different ways yeah i think that's dope um and especially the the lane that you've are occupying or trying to continue to occupy and grow from a social media standpoint then do you rock with any of these like alternative social media sites or anything like that? Like, I don't know, like, uh, like even up and coming ones or like, I mean, all the creatives are super pissed right now because their engagement's going down. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be super underpriced attention and now it's kind of like being a little bit fairly priced. You're still underpriced for what you're actually getting, but you know, Instagram and Facebook, I mean, Facebook, you get, you know, 5% organic reach, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, which is atrocious. And me personally, it just makes me feel marginalized and pissed Mm -hmm. um are you into any of these like alternative social networks like uh vero or minds or anything like that have you looked into that at all i've looked into it a little bit i'm not really like into any of that myself but i do like the like spirit of it Mm. my only like worry is that like sometimes alternative places on the internet can be like a place where like weirdo fucking people go the dark to web like, yeah <laughs> you know so i mean i don't know anything about those in particular sure. but i think that that's would be like my first flag on that um yeah. but social media is like we all need to do it but i think that it's also just important to know that like if instagram blew up tomorrow that you have something else that lives like outside of that. Okay. I'm going to sidebar um, again real quick. I'm sorry, yeah. but like, then what do you think about email lists? Okay. So I, I and phone am lists. email lists are great. I have a few email newsletters that I absolutely like love getting. Okay. So I think it's about like, you know, the email newsletter has like a bad rap, Right. But I think it's just done really poorly. A lot but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about like having your consumer base mm-hmm. by, name phone number email yeah is that a thing still yeah yes for sure okay because some people like i personally think it's a thing yeah it's definitely a thing my uh reasoning behind that is like if instagram blows up tomorrow yeah if snapchat blows up tomorrow you're still going to use those credentials for logins on other spots and we're going to be able to migrate our audience much better right yeah 
okay, cool. I've had a lot of pushback. On yeah, that no, one. it's definitely still a thing. Yeah. Um, and like figuring out different ways to like leverage that yep. information. You know what I mean? Like instead of just like letting it sit in a Excel, in a Excel sheet somewhere, yeah. like, yeah, come up with like a really great, and I don't even like to call it email marketing because it just sounds so bad. But like, like I said, I have a few newsletters that I, I really love getting and I have, I find like I get a lot of like value out of them. So totally. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I digress. <laughs> um, Cause this is the podcast full of sidebars. <laughs> and um, so that's the, that's the internet radio. Yeah. So yeah, we've been doing that. Like my, my boyfriend and I partner, whatever. I'm just You've been trying up on to that. figure that out over the past yeah, two hours. Here. I've been trying to train myself to say partner, but it just doesn't feel right yet. I think I got to like wait until I can. Yeah, put I got to put a ring okay, on it. I'm just going to commit to partner? my partner. Wow. Um, That's deep. I mean, he is my business partner as well. So like it's very, got very, valid. yeah. But yo, know, <laughs> in the same point, like I have a business partner in, 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 uh, in, in uh, wealth management at the same time. And you say, oh, well, my partner's at the gym right now. And they'll look at me like. You're like, what? You got a, you got a dick or, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm bullshitting, but like the business partner thing is also yes, a weird thing too. It is weird. So yeah. sorry, your business partner and you. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying. Uh, I said internet radio and you jumped up and you said, well, the thing is me and my business partner are. Yeah. So we are basically just like we're, we're doing, we have the, the label yeah. and also the. Um, oh, so they the interact with each other. Okay. Yeah. I feel like they're, they're separate, but ultimately like the ethos behind them is like similar it's all about like using our kind of collective skill sets and our and our experience to like elevate or amplify other artists that's really like what it is creating a platform yeah very beautiful love that word ethos yeah that one come to you in the float tank (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah Yeah, you were in a whole nother ethos. So that's very cool. So what? Uh, so plug those. Where can people, if people are interested in you and what you've created, where can people get yeah, at that? Yeah, so my label is called Bear Selection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at Bear Selection on all social media. B-A-R-E. B-A-R-E-S-E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N. I wouldn't have even attempted that. Yeah, I know. I, I always... There you go. There it is. Yeah, so um, this is our Instagram so the label's cool. Like it's it's obviously we're doing releases, but it's also just a way for us to organize everything that we've been doing under kind of like one umbrella. So yeah. it's like music releases, but it's also like um, uh, events and stuff it's like dope. that. So yeah, we have our next release coming out on March 11th. It and might already who, be out by now. And what is that? Um, that is a release we're doing with a producer from Toronto named Knotes. This might drop on March 11th. Okay, it's a Monday. Yeah, it is a Monday. Yeah, All of our releases are always on Mondays. So it's out today. As, as are ours. Hello. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Yeah, we just did an event um, with this guy from the UK called I Had a Dream oh. that went really well. Look at you go with the triple emoji comment. I know. <laughs> I, that's my signature. That's everybody's signature. What are you talking about? The three emojis. <laughs> the dancing lady is one of my favorite emojis, by the way. Anyway, so yeah, that's the, the label stuff. And then the radio stuff, our radio station is called In Search Of, ISO Radio and you can find us all of our social networks are like different handles yeah. so that's kind of annoying right now thanks yeah um but the the website is where you can listen in and that's isoradio.to sweet super dope um yeah and definitely check that out and then half moon half moon yeah that's another station that um i do a monthly show on in new york 
and they're amazing. Um, I want to big up Surf. He's the guy that founded this. Oh, and sweet. Yeah, it's all about like underground. I fuck with the branding on this. Yeah. Oh. They're really like um, really focused on like a lot of like black and POC artists in New York. And really like, you know, New York is known for hip hop and especially like in the black community, it's all about like hip hop. But electronic music is also like black music as well so that's really kind of like what they're promoting that's super cool yeah they're really really cool group of people surf is like an awesome guy he's like a for the culture like kind of dude who you know starting a a radio station is a lot of fucking work um i know because i started one yeah and so i have like huge respect for anybody who does this so like definitely big up surf sweet super dope what's the inspiration behind the name in search of in search of oh my gosh okay so like we got a friend of ours named devin little he actually <laughs> created name. the name Insert, yeah uh devin little yeah, yeah he works with people's chat management who is the management company that does like charlotte day wilson and bad bad not good and he works with a lot of dope artists and he came up with the name Super he basically cool. came up with the name for another project he was going to do and then didn't end up using it. And then we inherited it. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Super dope. So yeah, there's a little like NERD reference in there, you know? Yeah. I'm with it. Yeah. Whoa. And uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, oh, oh my God. What does NERD stand for? No one ever really dies. Oh, that's like the right. Neptunes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's what it is. That's I might right. have just made that up. Uh, whatever it sounded good i just blatantly said i didn't know so you know whatever who gives a shit that's hilarious um that's amazing i just want to put my two cents in and say that i think you should rap okay is that going to be the next thing i think you should rap you are you got the creative flair (laughs) you'd be a dope rapper you got the style and the personality interesting I don't know if you got bars or not but i'm just saying i mean think about it i do like a good hip-hop karaoke but you know what yeah just start doing covers okay I will. That's the shit. Done. A hundred percent. I would listen to that shit all day. Wow. Could even be trash. You could produce your own stuff. It probably will be trash. But the best part is about today is like it's the Wild West out there. Like there's a lot of trash that makes it. So maybe I have a chance. Maybe you got it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you do. I think you could definitely do. I think that uh, you're someone that could just, you know, pick up a fucking... I don't know any trade you could pick up some wires and be an electrician tomorrow you're one of those people so um, I have no doubt that you'll figure that out uh, and continue to build and continue to grow all these different avenues and these beautifully uh, community orientated um, hubs as a just a an iconic creative that's going to continue to grow and it's just it's it's inspiring to see someone with 10, 15 years go at it. Cause there's a lot of people that just kind of pop up for here, pop up for there. And then they kind of get dragged away or whatever. Having longevity, I think is something that's extremely underrated mm. and should be priced highly when it comes to something like consulting. Um, reference that next time you're trying to, you know, trying to justify the, justify price, the yeah. price. Like that's, you're not paying for instance, I, I, I don't know what your, um, uh, what your time schedule is like when you do these consulting gigs. But let's say uh, if, if I go for physiotherapy mm. and my physiotherapy costs me $120 or whatever it is, which, you know, 
all off the bat, I'm a really frugal guy. So I'm like, yo, 60 minutes, $120. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Um, but you're not paying for that 60 minutes. You're, you're actually paying for the knowledge of the 10 years that it took to, to you know, get that 60 minutes to where it was. Totally. Right? And that's the same thing, I think, in, in your line of work. Mm. And I think it's also the same thing when it comes to artists in general, right? Or, you know, this is maybe a conversation that's passed, but uh, paying 99 cents for that song or right. buying an album, like that's something that really means something and holds a lot of weight, which I think is very cool. Or, I mean, even with Self-Hard, like this is like, we like we handcraft our stuff. It's all made here in Vancouver. So it's like, yeah, there's a high price tag on it, but like there's a, there's we're a putting, reason, there's a reason yeah. there. Like it's not just crazy markup yeah like, you know it's not like it's made in bangladesh for three dollars and we're selling it to you with a swoosh on it for 60 yeah right there's 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 reason behind that i just i want part of the message i wanted to get through with this podcast is that we should continue to put a higher price tag or at least a higher valuation mm-hmm. on people like yourself that have put in the groundwork learned intangible skills how do you do radio scheduling? Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, build a brand aesthetic on Instagram? How do you properly write a review article, right? How do you put together a DJ set? How do you promote yourself as a DJ, right? Like I just, there's eight things right there. Yeah. And that's literally the tip of the iceberg. And no one is really valuing that. That's just kind of like, oh yeah, she does a bunch of shit. And I'm sorry, but like, oh, she does a bunch of shit is not good enough. Right. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I, I mean, I deal with this all the time. And like, I think just knowing, like I, I've said this in our conversation already but like knowing that what you do has value Mm -hmm. and not being like afraid to like stick up for that and then if there's someone who doesn't want to pay for it they're not the right customer for you because there's going to be someone out there who does understand it and want to pay for it as well so fuck yeah yeah no that's amazing um well in the nature of complex i'll say that camera or that camera uh what are you what are you promoting right now yeah <laughs> uh, in the in the nature of sean evans uh what uh where can we get at you what do we need to know about where do we need to go what do we need to listen to what do we need to read yeah so i mean the best way to keep up with me is to i guess follow my instagram or my twitter which is at jmkm Oh, plug. Um, coming up, we have like, I have a lot of fun shit I'm working on. I have, this will already have happened by the time this airs, That's but okay. I'm doing um, two days of really amazing programming on our radio station for International Women's Day, which is March 8th and 9th. Hell yeah. All of that stuff will be up to listen to afterwards though, so please check it out. Still lives on. Still lives online. <laughs> yeah, and then we have the, the label stuff, so our next release is March 11th with K-Notes, and we're really excited about that. We'll link it in the show notes. Okay, sweet. Hell yeah. Well, um, Josephine, you're going to kill it. And Thank you. You're going to kill, uh, you're going to kill fortune tonight too. <laughs> yes. So, I'm excited. So we'll, we'll let you get to that. I really do appreciate the time. And, uh, I look forward to like, you know, finding a way to work together and find a way to get out to Toronto a little bit more and experience your scene and, uh, us in Vancouver, we can learn a lot from it. So I, I really appreciate your time. Yes. I really appreciate it as well. And I just love what you guys are doing and oh, yeah. yeah, keep going. It's, it's awesome. It's inspiring for me as well to like connect with people like you. So yeah. Thank you. We're just trying to build a platform just like you. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all trying to do the same things and that's why, you know, it's really important for me to come out here and and connect with all of you guys because that's how we're all gonna like further ourselves is just like building those strong friendships, that strong kind of like infrastructure and ecosystem to help us all like just thrive and do better. So Hell yeah. You gotta yeah. you gotta support each other. That's that's Definitely. how these things work. hundred percent. Oh yeah. Okay, well I'll let you get to fortune. Thank you so much thank and uh, you. thank you guys for listening.